We talk about the importance of place in African-American culture. Place has just kind of shaped our culture. So geography and opportunity and inequality, you know, no matter where you are, is all connected. Welcome to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. You just heard publisher and advocate Paulette Brown-Hines of California-based Black Voice News touch on how location intelligence and the geographic approach bring clarity to equity and social justice issues. Here, Esri's David Gadsden explore the use of geospatial technology and geography to advance justice, equity, and deeper storytelling. Hello, Dr. Brown-Hines, and welcome to the Esri in the Science of Wear podcast. Thank you, David. You're the publisher of Black Voice News, a newspaper that has elevated stories of Black Californians since its founding in 1972. You're also the owner of Voice Media Ventures, a multimedia and communications company. Can you help our audience understand a bit more about these organizations, their missions, and, and your role within them? Like you said, the Black Voice News was founded in 1972, and it was actually founded by students at UC Riverside who were unhappy with the coverage they were receiving at their student campus uh, newspaper. And so they wanted a newspaper that really spoke for them and they created the paper. They ended up graduating from college and they didn't want the paper to die when they left. And so it ended up in the community. The, the, the mantra we have now is uh, justice seeking reporting because we've always focused on um, justice issues. We've looked at disparities, discrimination. One of the roles of media is holding those in, in power to account and trying to make sure that this democracy is working for everyone equitably. And that's really where the Black press is specifically kind of distinctive. I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the state of journalism today overall and why it's important for community-based publications like Black Voice News to survive and contribute to the local community dialogue. We talk about the state of journalism all the time. And, and just recently, one of my colleagues uh, was talking about the, the need for information access, um, you know, quality information. We really have seen that in the past year and a half, almost two years during this pandemic, right? The misinformation and disinformation, people really need information that they could trust. And, you know, one of my colleagues said, you know, journalism is the tool that provides that access, you know, and hadn't really thought about it that way. You know, the headlines for years, probably over a decade now, have talked about local news being dead <laughs> and, you know, talks about news deserts and the growing consolidation of, of local news organizations, entities being bought by hedge funds, now no longer having a local ownership and just, you know, focused on the upheaval in our industry. And that is true. All of those things are happening. Um, but at the same time, there's a lot of innovation that's taking place right now. And that's the thing that people don't necessarily see. There are new types of models that are developing. Um, there's a focus on digital transformation and what that looks like and how do you focus on audience and what are new revenue models. So it's not gonna look the same to the average person, right? They're like, I don't have my daily newspaper, but there are these other types of, of news organizations that are, that are springing up um, all over the country that are focused on providing that important essential news and information, which is, how our democracy thrives. 
it's it's really fascinating to me that in light of that consolidation of media um, that's just been continuing to get larger and larger and fewer and fewer sources of information, that the community media approach it's it's highly likely that you have to maintain a high degree of accountability over your messages and and the truth of your storytelling, because you're going to bump into these people in community meetings oh. and on the street. And I mean, oh yeah, is, is that the case? Oh yeah, that's oh no. I mean, you. I, it's so funny. I, I I when I go out as a publisher, like I'm out at just lunch, right? And I'm I'm seeing the mayor or I'm seeing the head of, you know, the community foundation, I'm seeing, you know, people who are part of the, the uh, NGO or CBO community, you know, and they're, they're the ones that are, you know, you know, really pushing change. They're the watchdogs too, in, in terms of the work they do as, as community leaders and community organizations. And you're right there with them. And, and I mean, many often, I mean, actually, anytime I go out in my community, I'll run into someone and, we start talking about maybe something that we wrote, maybe something that we didn't write, because that's the other piece of it is, right, you're not doing enough. <laughs> Why aren't you covering this? <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a level of accountability that, you know, the big, when you, you know, when people talk about news and they think of the big networks and they're like, well, you know, they're biased or they're, you know, they have an agenda. Like our agenda is the community agenda. And if we're not, you know, upholding that agenda, then we hear it and we hear it you know, immediately, it's, you know, because we're right there with them. You're so right. There's a, such a level of accountability as, you know, as a community media company. You've been a, an outspoken advocate for the use of data visualization and geographic information systems and journalism for years, an approach often referred to as geojournalism. Can you take us back to how you got started with GIS and how you realized that this could have an impact in your media and community outreach work? Yes, I will. I will never forget. So it started with meeting Jack and Laura Dangerman, who were the founders of Esri. We we had um, at that time been a part of a program from the California Coastal Commission that was doing some funding to try to tell stories about the communities of color and our connection with the coast of California. And so we had decided, my mother was a former publisher of the paper before I was a publisher. And she said, Paul, you know, there were segregated beaches in California. Actually, the governor of California just signed legislation that will return some of that land to a family that was in Bruce's Beach, in LA County was taken from the family. But my, you know, my mother said, you should do some reporting around and do uh, this kind of a historical look at California segregated beaches. We had, you know, I think seven locations that dotted the coast of, of California from Northern California, from Seaside down into to Orange County. And, you know, here's one of the challenges, right? We don't know how to use, we, we don't have GIS expertise, but I had a really good graphic artist who learned. And so he, he did his first map, which was, we call it segregation by the sea. And he was so fascinated with the technology. He ended up going back and getting a certificate in GIS. But for me, I said, gosh, this is such a dynamic way of telling story. It's how it started. And I just became fascinated and started doing things like looking up community mapping. And I just saw that opportunity engaged community around information was so compelling. How can understanding geography and place and even geographic analysis help us better understand and identify inequities across California? 
and and enrich your storytelling and, and community media. I grew up on the west side of San Bernardino, physically walled off by a freeway from the rest of the city. You know, one side, a wash on another side, railroad tracks on the other side. You know, this community intentionally was put in a specific place in the city. You know, we know what redlining, right? That's where we could buy a home. That's where my parents could buy a home. And in those communities, I mean, you know, the impact, when I think of like geography and I think of inequities and identifying inequities, it's so much tied to like where you live, right? What opportunities you have based or don't have based on where you live, how much your home costs or uh, how much you have to pay for insurance because of where you live and because of that community. When middle school, I was bused. I was identified as, as, as one of the gifted students. And so to get a qual- better quality education, I had to be bused to another side of town. So geography and opportunity and inequality, you know, no matter where you are, is all connected. We talk about the importance of place in African-American culture especially how our story starts by being displaced from our, our homes and you know, brought to this country. It's helped us in the work we're doing because so much of our identity is tied to place. Are there other examples where taking a geographic approach or applying a geographic analysis has helped you advance your work? One example is the work we did with the census. We worked with Black publishers across the state of California. So there were were about 20, I think about 22 different media companies that we worked with. And then we developed a list of about almost 400 Black-led organizations across the state. And based on what we were hearing in focus groups, we ended up doing more with our hard-to-count map, which became kind of central to the work that we were doing statewide with the census and central to our strategy of outreach. So we were pairing Black-led organizations within specific regions and trying to give them specific information that we were finding on our maps regarding their own community. And that was our first work at looking regionally at the state of California. There's some work we did recently looking at Black-led organizations in Southern California, but we also looked at migration. So we kind of did an overlay on this map with Black populations in Southern California. And we then added another uh, layer to that of kind of this COVID impact that our data analysts, you know, created to look at like, where are some of the key areas? Of course, workforce and health were two of them within certain regions. What was interesting about that is we found from one organization that's a a big funder in Southern California, they fund organizations and after the killing of George Floyd, there was a lot of focus and, you know, even still we're talking about racial justice and racial equity. So a lot of organizations that were funders were re-examining their giving and who they were giving to. So this map project became a way for funders to kind of analyze their giving. We're doing some things to like partner with different organizations. So just recently, we have partnered with Cal Cities and created a a dashboard, Racism as a Public Health Crisis, monitoring these declarations that, you know, cities, other municipalities, entities, counties, 
declared racism and public health crisis, and then that was it, right? So there were some that had put task force together, some had hired a kind of a chief equity officer, others had actually put some money into like, now what do we do? How do we develop strategies to really try to tackle this, this problem? And so that's another one that regionally and by city, it helped leaders in those communities see how they stack up against other (laughs) entities. It gave them the information they needed. As as an organization, you know, we're doing this for community, but the the way that uh, our work is is having, you know, impact is, is when, you know, leadership, as well as community leadership, finds the, the information that we provide, you know, as a way to help advance more racial, you know, a, a racially equitable agenda. Uh, so it's having impact. Mapping Black California is an organization you started that encourages community collaboration around geographic data and information. Can you tell us a little bit more about this and, and, and your concept of how this technology might help expand and empower more voices? We have these community connections. And so our approach when we first started was, okay, bringing together various sectors. So we had education, we had philanthropy, we had business, um, we had NGOs. And just talking about how do we use this technology to help the community, whatever that looks like. So we've done some work with nonprofits that are teaching GIS to young people We've had like this partnership I mentioned with Cal Cities, where these are Black uh, uh, elected officials in their cities that were now working with their caucus to visualize the information, which helps provide clarity and understanding around the information. And so we're finding ways to now partner our work with the Black Workers Center, trying to take the crowd map concept and utilizing the research that they had done feeding it into our map, and then doing some reporting around it that we can share with other organizations. So there's still that idea of sharing what we learn and sharing the information with others and hopefully getting them to gain a better understanding of the data that that we're mapping or that we're sharing on dashboards. And then we have a a large project that, a, a new project with the largest a research project looking at Black Americans, this is in this case, Black Californians, experience with the healthcare industry. And it's, it's a, a project that is called Listening to Black California. There's 18 focus groups, there's 100 um, interviews, and then there, there will be about three, I think 3,200 surveys. And we're taking a regional approach and how do we share that information, reporting around that data and try to empower the community, right? So that they recognize the data um, because they are, were a part of providing the information, but then also giving it back to them in a way that they can be empowered to, to make change. That's how Mary Black California is starting to kind of grow. And it's really through these kind of you know, partnerships that we're developing with organizations um, and institutions across the state of California. It's been so inspirational to speak with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity, David. 
Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Paulette Brown-Hines for explaining the importance of geography and geospatial technology to highlight and inspire action on issues of social inequality. If you feel this episode was informative and helpful, please take a moment to rate Esri and the Science of Wear podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.